I want to tell you about Whetstone Radio Collective, a brand new podcast venture from Whetstone Media. The shows from Whetstone Radio have a sound all their own, with discussions on politics, culture, global gastronomic histories, all centered on human empathy. Whetstone Radio Collective has some incredible shows for you, like Climate Cuisine from Taiwanese-American journalist Clarissa Wei, which looks at the way the climate crisis is fundamentally shaping our relationship with food, or Fruit Love Letters from Chef Jessamine Starr, which is like a valentine to all your favorite fruits. I encourage you to check out some of the programming at Whetstone Radio Collective and continue to discover the immense power that food has on our communal lives. Have you ever seen the word natural on a pack of hot dogs and wondered what it means? You're not the only one. The words natural or all natural on food packaging have been vexing customers and regulators for years. After first trying and failing to clarify the label back in the 90s, the FDA decided in 2016 that it better get a handle on things. It started by having an open comment period, during which consumers could weigh in online sharing what they thought the word natural should mean if used on a food label. On today's episode, we are checking in on that process and looking at those words, claims, seals, and certifications that show up on your food packaging. What do they tell us? And is what they tell us real? Can we trust it? Who are those labels for, for companies or consumers? In particular, we were curious about the labels that seem to say a lot, but don't actually have much rigor. We talked to a few experts, check out some food labels ourselves, and try to sniff out the good labels from the bad. I'm Jerusha Klemperer, and this is What You're Eating, a project of foodprint.org. We aim to help you understand how your food gets to your plate and to see the full impact of the food system on animals, planet, and people. We uncover the problems with the industrial food system and offer examples of more sustainable practices, as well as practical advice for how you can help support a better system through the food that you buy and the system changes you push for. The purpose of a food company is to sell food products. That's what it's about. It's got stockholders to please. It wants to sell as much of the product as it possibly can at as high a price as it can get away with. That's its goal, its business objective, and that takes precedence over everything else. I'm Marion Nessel. I'm the Paulette Goddard Professor of Nutrition Food Studies and Public Health at New York University. So when Congress was considering the nutrition facts label between 1990 and 1993, when it actually went into effect, the food industry didn't want it. You know, they were not at all interested in having calories, saturated fat, sugar, and salt on their, on their label. And so they negotiated with Congress and said, okay, we'll accept it if you allow us to have health claims on food packages. Uh, previously, the FDA had not allowed any kind of uh, this product will cure, mitigate, treat a disease. You just couldn't do that. So Congress in passing this law said that there were certain health claims that were mandated in the law and set up what the criteria were for subsequent health claims. So now if you go on the FDA's website and on their health claims pages, you'll see health claims for preventing disease. Those need one kind of category of evidence. You'll see qualified health claims, which I think are the funniest things I've ever heard, which are health claims that are allowed, but you have to have a disclaimer with them that says that they're not approved by the FDA. When the dietary supplement 
Health and Education Act was passed in 1994, um, the FDA was then forced to allow what are called structure function claims on food packages, which are claims that an uh, ingredient in the food promotes the health of or supports the structure of some component of the body. Well, no rational person can tell the difference between those, between what's the difference between supports a healthy heart and helps prevent heart disease. And so the public is confused. You know, I mean, I remember going back to the era of the time that Congress passed the law that everybody I knew was eating oat bran. They were putting oat bran on everything because there was there's some studies that come out that oat bran reduced blood cholesterol levels. And so there was an oat bran craze. Oat bran was put into everything. Everybody was eating it. And the idea that it was going to solve your heart disease problems, which if you gave one minute of thought to it would be wishful thinking. Um, you know, really one food is never going to do that. But it sells food products. And once you understand that the purpose of a food company is to sell food products, then you look at the whole labeling issue in a very different way. When you go to a supermarket, you see so many claims and symbols on packages, and it's really a cacophony. And some are marketing claims, some are just pictures that maybe invoke or provoke a certain feeling that you might have toward the product, and some are just outright claims about the product. I'm Ravashi Rangan. I'm the chief scientist for Foodprint, and I have spent the last two decades looking at the food production system, a lot of that looking at labels specifically in food, what they mean, what they don't mean, and why and how we can get better labels in the food system. And all of these are generally used as marketing claims to get people interested in products. There are some labels that are about problematic things or dating labels, but for most labels in the marketplace, it's about marketing. More recently in the last, I'd say, couple of decades, we've seen a proliferation of what we call certified labels in the marketplace. And certified labels generally have an organization behind them. They have a set of standards behind them. And then any company that chooses to seek out that certification must apply for it. They must be approved by the certification body in order to use the label. They simply can't use it by themselves or of their own accord. And in that way, those are some of the best labeling schemes out there because you have an independent body performing the certification that isn't necessarily vested in the products that are being certified. And that assures consumers that there is some level of independence. It isn't how all labels are necessarily done. I asked Ravashi for examples of labels that you can trust actually mean something. Probably the most common, popular, certified label that people see out there is the organic label. The organic label has been around for many, many years, actually, since probably the early 70s is when the first organic certifier was in business. And so the claim of organic has been used for a long time. Many, many certifiers came into the space with slightly different standards, and that was in play for probably about 20 years. In 1990, the government actually decided to harmonize those standards under one standard that then certifiers could get accreditation by the government. 
in order to certify companies to those standards. So that's what happened in the Organic Food Production Act of 1990. It took 10 or 12 years to promulgate that standard. So today we do have a standard. It isn't perfect. It isn't everything we might want it to be in terms of sustainability, but it is a certified label and it does have accountability built into it. Out of all the food labels that you see in the marketplace, it's probably the best for the main reason that you're able to avoid hundreds of agrochemicals and processing agents and, and other you know, weird stuff that maybe you don't want to eat as much of, right? My name is Errol Schweitzer. I've been in the food industry for the better part of 27 years, food service and retail, farmers markets, warehousing, logistics, stocking shelves, ordering groceries. I was with Whole Foods Market for 14 years, including seven years as their national vice president of the grocery department, which was their largest department in the store, about 30% of the company's business. In that role, I helped launch thousands of products into national brands. I helped develop supply chains for organic, non-GMO, grass-fed, plant-based, etc. The organic label. It's far from perfect. I've also been a huge critic of it. I've been a critic internally with Whole Foods, with my friends in the organic community, but organic, when it's done right, when it's done in soil, usually means you're producing a healthier product, and there's actually research showing that. Usually means it's protecting the environment. There's research showing that. Even amongst the certified labels, there is a range from sort of good to really, really good. Um, and so they don't always all come with the same level of caliber or meaning, but they at least have some level of authenticity, some level of accountability built in. But then there are words on the package that aren't certified labels. They're more like claims. Healthy is a really good example of how quickly it can get complicated. This is Patty Lavera, an expert on food policy and food systems issues. Yes, it seems obvious, like stuff's healthy or it's not healthy. So like draw a line, you're on one side of the line or not. And it's like, think about how many people fight about their diet right now, right? <laughs> like what the right diet is. So like, it's actually politically loaded to define what healthy is. And there have been some fights. Again, I'm not going to get the year right, but like FDA took a shot at it at one point. Like no one's making you put a healthy label on a package. Um, but some people tried and then they said, you know, you're on the wrong side of it. So it was a company that like that was their whole brand was like, we, you know, very, very like health forward. And because they had, I think it was nuts that were causing their problem. They used a lot of nuts that triggered you know, that kind of put them on the wrong side of the line in terms of fat content. In 2015, the FDA accused Kind Bars of misusing the label healthy because their product was too high in fat. Kind fought back, arguing that the FDA guidelines were based on outdated notions of fat, that nutrition science now recognizes that nuts are a healthy fat and part of a healthy diet. And the next thing you know, it's like this brouhaha for three years, right? So part of me is like, maybe you shouldn't be allowed to make that claim. Maybe it's just too hard. Maybe you give people accurate information about salt and fat and protein and, you know, what we need to know about the food and people will figure out what is healthy for them. But it's a really good example of how complicated it can get, like, and how quickly it can get complicated. A great example of a label and a popular one that has no standards whatsoever is the natural label. Natural can pretty much be used 
on any product, and it doesn't really have to mean all that much. In the case of meat, if you see it on meat, it means nothing was added to the cut of meat itself. It has nothing to do with how the animal was raised. Did it have a natural diet? Did it live in a natural environment? It doesn't have to do with that. And with non-meat products, we've seen the natural label pretty much on a whole range of things where really it can range from having some meaning to no meaning. Plant-based is another term out there that we see a lot of these days. In fact, I think the natural label has turned into plant-based in a lot of cases. Again, another claim that has absolutely no set of standards behind it. What's unfortunate about both of those claims is that they do have literal meaning. Natural is a word and it has meaning. It should mean it came from nature or has some sort of basis in nature. And yet you can take something from nature and really process the crap out of it and still call it a natural product. And that's where things get to be particularly misleading. So is an apple natural? Yeah. Is apple juice natural? Well, you pressed it from the apple, so, you know, we can get to natural. When you concentrate that juice down and freeze it and then reconstitute it, is that natural? Well, you start to pull away a little bit from what that meaning is. I guess technically, yes, though, you could still label it natural. But then you start to think about those ingredients used in processed food products and those products then don't necessarily become natural just because you combined a lot of processed ingredients that came from a natural source at one point in time. So these are the lines of thinking about, well, how natural is that? Obviously, if you buy a fruit or a vegetable, it's a natural product. If you buy milk, it's a natural product. But really, it's become how people use these terms and really stretch the truth to really render something that is claiming something that it isn't. Yeah, I don't think natural is a great word to be used. I think there's a sort of legacy usage of natural in terms of the natural food industry and natural food stores, you know, and Whole Foods being, you know, I used to consider Whole Foods like the popular front of the natural food industry, like it was going mainstream and large scale. But in terms of a descriptor, I think natural is really misleading, doesn't make much sense very vague. And I I honestly think that we need to stop using that word natural because what it does is it competes with organic and it clouds a lot of the poor practices that manufacturers get away with by just slapping a natural label on it. And the fact that, look, agriculture is the result of human interaction with nature. Like, or with the, the, the environment, let's say. Let's not even use the word nature. Let's not confuse things. So the whole notion of natural is really fraught because we've always been influencing the environment. We've always been influencing as people how crops are grown. Yeah, when you see the word natural on a food product, that should trigger your understanding that marketing is at work. The term natural sells food. People love it. They want to buy foods that are natural. The definition of natural is so vague that there's been a push on the FDA to try to clean it up for a really long time, but companies love to use it because it sells. So when I see natural, I think marketing.
Now, are there any parameters on it right yes. now per the FDA? There are. Yeah, yeah, there are parameters. You're not allowed to have artificial ingredients added. So if it's got artificial flavors and colors, no. If it's got natural flavors and colors, however those are made, you can put it in there. And the companies are very, very good about gaming these rules and getting around them. The trouble in the marketplace is that there aren't a lot of regulations around marketing claims and what it is you can and can't say. And it's a great example of where if you just leave it to the market to decide, you actually end up with a lot of confusion and murkiness because different companies will attempt to market in different ways. And that's a problem because it means consumers feel cheated before there's any accountability put into place, before there's any follow-up. And that makes it tough because then the onus is on us to figure out whether something means something or not, not on the the companies themselves. Can you tell us, like, is anyone moderating or legislating how it's used? Is there anything stopping anyone from just putting that on whatever label they want? Depending on the product, if it's a meat product, the U.S. Department of Agriculture would regulate that meaning of natural. And the USDA does have some minimal terms around using the term natural on a meat product, which means you just can't add anything artificial to the cut of meat itself. doesn't have really anything to do with how that animal was raised or what it ate. And so it has some meaning, but it's almost in many ways more problematic because it seems like there's some regulation around it. It seems like there's some accountability behind it, but really... If you were to say hold the USDA accountable for a misleading natural term on, say, a heavily industrial produced animal product, you would have no case. And so these labels are only as meaningful as the standards behind them. So there's labels that are required by the law. There's labels that aren't required but are regulated and everything in between. And it's shockingly messy and shockingly confusing and it puts way too much burden on individual shoppers to try to figure it out. So what about the FDA and their open comment period on defining natural back in 2016? Over 7,500 comments were submitted, but it's hard to tell from the FDA's website if anything has happened since then. No, nothing's happened on it that I'm aware of. I mean, in part, we don't have a director for the FDA for reasons that I don't really understand and don't know anything about, Biden is not an appointed a director for the FDA, although I heard rumors that he was about to. So it's a leaderless agency at a time when the FDA is being called upon to look at a lot of deal with a lot of issues. And I, they've, um, you know, they've been very slow in approving the vaccines for COVID, I think much slower than anybody wishes they were. That's been a problem. On the other hand, they approved an Alzheimer's drug over the recommendations of their advisory committee, quite unusual for them not to pay attention to their advisory committee. So it's hard to know what's going on at the FDA. They're an under-resourced agency and they've been in trouble for a very long time. 
To my knowledge, nothing's really come of that. I think that companies got a little scared from it and from the ruckus of it and started shifting to terms like simple or simply or plant-based. And I think we have seen a shift from natural to other murky terms. So I, (laughs) I think we have seen that shift happen. The Food and Drug Administration opened that petition in response to a request for petition making from all of these groups. So it was really to say, okay, you groups are asking for us to open a comment period to hear about whether we need to change our rulemaking on the natural label. Shouldn't have been news to them because um, so much has gone on over the years. In the meantime... And this happens in many issues when we have, you know, I think it's a void, right? I think we've created a void in the marketplace in the lack of this lack of regulation has created this space where companies can make claims that don't really serve consumers well. There's been a, I don't even know how many lawsuits where folks have taken the issue to court. And the, the way that you do that typically is you make a very specific claim against a very specific product. So groups of people or individuals, you know, are filing a claim against, you know, one company and saying the thing you say on this product is not true. And, you know, people get riled up about all, oh, you know, it's lawyers are just trying to cash in, you know, you know, and there's a lot of hand wringing about all, you know, we're abusing the court system and we should have, you know, you should be harder to sue. And one argument you hear from folks who think about it in a holistic way is, well, that's happening because the rest of the government has dropped the ball. All right. So we're here today to check out some products that we all found. Our food print team headed to the supermarket and to our own kitchens to see what we could find with a natural label on it. We hit a whole range of stores from a corner store to a neighborhood grocery to Trader Joe's to Whole Foods. And I know we've already touched base a little bit about the fact that it wasn't quite the landscape out there that we were expecting when we hit the supermarket. So I've got this all-natural cranberry health mix, which is just trail mix that has Cranberries, golden raisins, raw almonds, pepitas, walnuts, and sunflower oil. This unsweetened applesauce, which I took a picture of it in the store because the other unsweetened applesauce was organic. And so it's like, those are your two options. And I think that says something about the people who are looking for like unseasoned applesauce. They're looking for an unprocessed, pure product. And so, you know, this, which is... What's the ingredients? Just apples. This is literally just apples without any preservatives. I found all natural duck riettes, no added hormones or antibiotics. So I guess that's talking about what they fed the duck. There was also this marinated string cheese. So it's like a string cheese knot with like lots of herbs and stuff. And then in just small letters on the side, it says RBST free, all natural. Well, and I think the reason that we're seeing most of the products that I found that had the natural label were dairy or meat, and it's because of like the actual guidelines for natural on those, which I know are different from processed products or vegetable products or things like that. Right, but then I have my natural pickles. Right. Which, I mean, it's a cucumber, water, salt, garlic spices, dried red chili. 
Yeah, it's such an interesting thing because you're like, yeah, that does sound natural. Like it's a pickle with some vinegar and some salt, but it's that interesting calculation of putting that label on there, I think, to give it a little bit of a sheen of something more than that, right? There's so many things that are like naturally delicious or naturally flavored. This snack called Chompers, which are these crispy like snacks. I've never had them, but that package has naturally delicious and it's not organic. And so it like makes me think like, are you trying to like pull one over on customers? I feel like- The naturally thing, that's very interesting. Is that a workaround? Like if I say naturally delicious, then it's like I've gotten the word natural on there, but I haven't called it natural. I wonder if it's- not beholden yeah. to the same. I feel like there was a, there was a lot of stuff that I saw that was like naturally delicious or naturally flavored. The naturally delicious versus natural, like naturally flavored is a very like tightly regulated claim, right? Mm. Naturally delicious is just a slogan. You could have like a totally synthetic product, you know, back in the trans fat days and you could call it naturally delicious and you could probably get away with that. Did you guys have any like high level aha breakthroughs? Yeah, I think I was a little bit surprised at the lack of helpful information. Generally, I guess I feel like with the trendiness of clean label marketing, it seems like a lot of the claims on food labels have actually gotten more specific. Like they will tell you like grass-fed or, you know, organic or non-GMO. When I was looking at the Ezekiel bread, like I think it harkens back to this time when everything was really kind of poorly disambiguated and like a whole grain product was natural-ish and now natural is no longer an effective way to distinguish yourself on a grocery store shelf and so you're going to turn to more specific things because the thing about food labels is like crowded and chaotic as they might seem it's extremely valuable in real estate there are still regulations on what you can say And so you're probably not going to waste that space on something that doesn't actually communicate something more specific. So anecdotally, at least, it seemed to us that the natural label is on its way out. I've actually written about this and said before, there really isn't any natural food industry anymore. It's really just the food industry because so much of what we've done and worked for in the last 20, 30 years is mainstream. I mean, Walmart's the largest retailer of organic, maybe Costco. You know, it's one of those two. They do more than Whole Foods. You could find organic products and, you know, the last number I saw was like 90 plus percent of households. I mean, this is mainstream. It's just the food industry, right? I guess I'm wondering if you have a take, either like, you know, or you have a hunch, is the reason that natural sort of is, has disappeared off of labels, is it because of the kind of lawsuits that are out there, out there oh, around labels? Natural is, it because- is a hot potato. Natural is such a hot potato. Like no one wants to deal with it anymore. Nobody wants to deal with lawsuits because it's the natural lawsuits stuff happened over the last decade. Even when I was at Whole Foods and I left Whole Foods six years ago, our quality assurance team, our food safety team and our legal team, I, I just can remember the two of them coming into my office at once talking about some product with an unverified natural claim and some ambulance chaser threatening to sue us for carrying it. And I always be like, one, I didn't put that on the shelf. I don't know why that, I don't know why we're selling that. If it was one of the suppliers I'd negotiated with, I'd tell them not to use that word. Um, it became its own little cottage industry of these you know, lawyers with these consumer groups suing these companies that were using natural because they were misleading the consumers about the ingredients or processes. Yeah, I mean, it's, 
total hot potato. That speaks to the fact that this marketplace is out of control and like regulators don't have a handle on it. So people are going to court instead. The FDA, like the regulators, like the USDA seem to take a minimalist perspective and usually one that benefits or keeps big business very comfortable. So I don't think you can really rely on the ambulance chasers to keep things honest. I think we need to have more public participation in the food system. We need to have more small d democracy in the food system. We need to think about food sovereignty and, you know, local and direct control of food systems as opposed to offloading it to, you know, lawyers or large retailers or publicly traded food manufacturers. Part of why these lawsuits are happening and are important is because false advertising using labels that don't tell the truth about the products they're on hurts consumers. I wanted to learn more about how they hurt people and who they hurt the most. So I reached out to Heal Food Alliance. I'm Kristen Strader, the campaigns manager at Heal Food Alliance, where I organize strategies to break up corporate power and move it into the hands of communities. Yeah, so HEAL stands for Health, Environment, Agriculture, and Labor, and we are a multiracial coalition led by our member organizations who represent over 2 million rural and urban farmers, fishers, farm and food chain workers, indigenous groups, scientists, policy experts, and community organizers. We work together to grow our collective power to transform our food and farm systems. At the the heart of our alliance is the acknowledgement that no single person or organization can transform the interwoven systems of colonialism, capitalism, white supremacy, and cis-heteropatriarchy alone or in isolation. HEAL has a multi-planked policy platform that they use to guide their work. Some of the platforms are resilient regional economies, dignity for food workers, and phase-out factory farming. One of them is increased food literacy and transparency. Part of the reason that our platform is so expansive is because the food system is gigantic and has a huge history of exploitation of labor, stolen labor, stolen land, genocide. And that's a deep history. So we acknowledge that it's not just one thing that we have to do. It's a transformation of the entire system. So the food literacy and food transparency plank, through that, we feel that all of us, no matter who we are or where we come from, deserve the freedom to choose what we put into our bodies. But currently, that's not the case. A handful of corporations control our entire food supply from sea to table, and they make it impossible for us to know what we're eating or to have a choice at all. That lack of transparency, it's not just, I can't tell when I look at a label what's in there. That's at every step of the chain, we are in the dark. Yeah, and a lot of the time there are actually misleading or straight up deceitful labels on products. Part of the problem is that there's also not a transparency into campaign donations and political influence, which is something that we are also calling for in this plank. There are several agencies that most likely get regularly lobbied by these food companies and Congress as well gets influenced by companies in their favor. There's a long history of that. If we look back into the 80s and what happened with the Federal Trade Commission, there was an effort at the time for that agency to hold junk food companies accountable for misleading and aggressive advertising, especially targeting children. But once the agency was ready to do something about it, lobbyists from junk food companies came for Congress. And since Congress funds the Federal Trade Commission, they threatened 
to shut the agency down. And that created inaction at the agency. And that's something that has deeply affected transparency and labeling and these companies' ability to just regularly market lies to our communities. One thing that I really love about Heal's platform and the various planks is that with each one, you have very specific suggestions for action. Um, so it's not just an identification of the problems, but also of the potential solutions. So when it comes to food literacy and transparency, what are the changes that could be made on this front? First and foremost, we really want to urge government to put forward antitrust laws that prevent these powerful corporations from making the rules that continue an investment in our current food system of harm. That feels the most significant thing we can do because it would have an effect on everything else that that company, those companies are able to market to us and the information that they share with us. We also need transparency about the politics behind the food economy, including corporate donations to elected officials. And we also need visible warning labels for harmful food and beverage products. I think if these companies are being honest, their labels would say something like fuels exploitation or investment in the prison system. But that is not what we're getting. I think that the standard should be if it's not going to give people information that they expect, then maybe we shouldn't use that claim. That is a hard sell in our current political system where we think corporations are people and we think they have First Amendment rights too. I mean, that's some of what we run into when you talk about labeling. You're talking about a company's speech. The reverse of this is like stuff we want to know. Like companies should tell us if there's GMOs in it, they should tell us what country it comes from, country of origin labeling. We have run into arguments for years from companies saying, you can't make me talk. You can't compel my speech <laughs> to put that on the label. When it comes to food, greenwashing is a term that's used to describe labels out there that claim to be more environmentally friendly or more sustainable or more green or maybe more climate friendly in some way, shape, or form, but don't deliver on that promise at all. In fact, maybe are misleading you in many ways. And there's a bright side and a dark side of this. The dark side is that it creates an incredibly confusing marketplace and makes it very difficult for people who want to shop with green values, who care about the climate and the environment or animal health, to be able to make authentic choices. That is the downside of that. The bright side of that is that it reflects a company's awareness that consumers are interested in that attribute. The bright side is that the companies know that that's where consumers are going, that that's what consumers want. And so it's an attempt to capitalize on something good. So to the degree we can line up consumer expectations then with the claims that are being made out there, maybe there's some hope that we can actually turn this tide because clearly there's a demand. And the question is, are companies required 
to meet that demand in a truthful way or are they just going to be allowed to run roughshod over consumers and really cheat them of what they're willing to pay for or pay more for? You shouldn't have to have a law degree or a public policy degree to figure out, well, on this food, it's the USDA and their standards are a little more meaningful and at least they have inspectors in the plant. So if I see natural and meat and poultry, I still don't think it's really rigorous, but it kind of means a little bit more because they approve the label that, that you're going to use on that type of chicken. At, you know, on cereal, it's the Food and Drug Administration and they don't do anything. And I really hate that. And But then what about colors? You know, And it's just like, this is insanity that we put this on individual people to sort out because the government doesn't have the backbone to stand up to these companies and draw a line and say, this is what this word means, this is what it doesn't. So, and this is true, we were not even getting into like GMO labels. I mean, there's there's lots and lots of lots of issues that we are asking people to work out in the grocery aisle, which is bonkers, right? <laughs> like, it's like one, take take a deep breath because, you know, it, this shouldn't all be on you. Here's some tips to to get you the best outcome in the situation you're in. You know, just rules of thumb, the closer you can get to the source, the less dependent you are on a label. So like at the farmer's market, there are people that mad at me about this. I'm not going to sweat it if you're certified organic at the farmer's market. If I can ask you a question about what you do and you look me in the eye and you're like, I don't use sewage sludge. You know, I, I don't use GMO seeds. In the Safeway or the grocery store, I can't ask that question, the producer. So I am going to be dependent on labels. I would like those labels to be accurate. So anytime you can get direct farmer's market, direct sale, CSA, whatever it is, you can ask those questions. The other advice I give people is like most of us buy a pretty standard shopping list most of the time. You know, we know what our our go-to greatest hits are on the grocery list. So do your homework at home, you know, on the computer. If you're not on the computer, you know, you can call the 800 numbers and try to answer those questions then and make your list of like, when I buy eggs, I've done my homework. This is my top choice. If they're not available, this is my number two. And then move on to the next food. So this is also why we need to turn ourselves into like, whatever you want to call it, you know, food citizens or like we also need to engage at that government level because it's ridiculous that we should have to like help people cope with the stress of understanding how to avoid the stuff they don't like in the food system. So at some point we need to make this connection of like I shouldn't have to shop my way around farm workers being exposed to hazardous chemicals. It should be illegal to expose them to hazardous chemicals. That shouldn't be on me as a shopper to figure out. Labels are not always in service to the consumer, but what we can do as consumers is at least try to shop with better levels of scrutiny and not simply take things at face value. And by doing a little homework, you can in fact find labels, claims, even companies that may be coming much closer to meeting your expectations for what you are willing to pay more for and want to get as a result of doing that. So where's a shopper supposed to do that homework? And what are the things you should be paying attention to? This might depend on what you care most about. If you're interested in the natural label or what you thought it meant, things like fewer chemicals or no pesticides, you might try the certified organic label. In general, all of these experts pointed to certified labels as better bets. You can find most certified labels on Foodprint in our food label guide. 
Some people find it easiest to pick one product to learn a bit about, like eggs or milk, for example, and then figure out what aspect of its production matters the most to you. So is it pesticides, animal welfare, worker welfare? And then figure out what label you want to look for based on those concerns. I think the first thing I would say about people who, you know, when you're looking at labels is it sucks that you have to spend so much time and effort and, and, and really money on trying to understand what's in your food. And that's because the food system is upside down and backwards. There really shouldn't be labels that are you know, market-driven attributes to convince you to spend more money on better food. What we really should be doing is putting a warning label on all the stuff that's poison or labeling, hey, this is from a concentrated animal feedlot. This animal's piglets were ripped away from it uh, when it was a nursing sow and killed in a manner that you would not consider humane. These products were grown uh, with the use of Roundup, which may cause cancer. And you look at the concentration of ownership in the food system in meat packing, poultry, beef, pork. We look at the concentration of ownership in different categories, whether it's beverages or cereals or frozen entrees. We look at the racialized concentration of ownership among retailers, you know, and big food companies, you know, highly geared towards mostly white, mostly men, you know, that's really the truth of the food system, not the fact that we're charging a little more for organic. And really, if we took a true cost accounting approach to the food system, if we actually took into account all the runoff, all the soil loss, all the uh, exploitation of labor, if we took into account all those costs of the food system, and put them on the label, one, the pricing would be different, but two, we'd probably want to rethink the way we actually do food. And we need to figure out how to take away the power and wealth from those folks who are benefiting from that. If you can afford to buy organic, but you know, support institutional purchasing programs like Center for Good Food Purchasing, support the notion of food as a human right, work with local organic farms, work with community gardeners, work with food justice organizations who are creating this grassroots momentum around changing the food system. And you know, if you have time, lobby and talk to your elected representatives about the flaws in the food system. Outside of like your personal consumption habits, there's actually a lot more you can do that's just as or more important. What You're Eating is produced by Nathan Dalton and Foodprint.org, which is a project of the Grace Communications Foundation. Special thanks to Foodprint staff, Ryan Nebaker and Catherine Sachs, to Dr. Urvashi Rangan, Patty Libera, Dr. Marion Nessel, Kristen Strader of Heal Food Alliance, and Errol Schweitzer. You can find us at www.foodprint.org, where we have this podcast as well as articles, reports, a food label guide, and more. And if you've been enjoying the show, we hope you'll leave us a review on Apple or wherever you listen to podcasts.